this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Allen Show. I hope you are having a grand time as this new year has started of 2021. Well, I have to tell you, it's been an interesting time over the last few days of with everything going on inside of the world and the changes that we're able to see. Hopefully you've been able to have a good time as we transition from 2020 to 2021. Well, let me not waste too much time and let's get you started with what's going on today. I had reached out to my friend and colleague, Rob Fisher, to come on to the show. And I wanted him to talk about what he has learned over the last few months, with the changes going on in the world, and talking about the technology that he uses known as Arrow. If you're not familiar with Rob, you should be. He is the president and director of operation for Fisher Improvement Technologies, and also the host of the Essential Leadership Cycle podcast that can be heard here on Safety FM. So without much further ado, let's get you started with today's episode of The Jay Allen Show featuring Rob Fisher. So let me tell you why I wanted to bother you, because that's exactly what it was. <laughs> so here's the thing. So I know that you have technology that you have been building throughout the years and stuff that you have w- worked with and implemented. And I wanted to see how this whole COVID-19 thing has played a factor into the technology and what technology you've been able to use with clients, your own purposes to overcome some of these things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Jay, I mean, you know, you and I, we don't talk enough, but, you know, I appreciate you you asking the question about how Fisher Improvement Technologies is using technology, which is in our name, to, to react or respond to, actually, to some of the COVID challenges. And, you know, for, for years, all our, our mission, vision, and goals were around making sure that we create practically applicable technologies, and, and people didn't really understand what that was. But, but it's really a whole spectrum. It's a spectrum of knowledge and skills. It's a spectrum of technological or electronic capabilities. It's a spectrum of, 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 of access to um, certain documentation, for lack of a better, or, or reference materials. And, and so one of the things that COVID did for us was it, all, it really allowed us the opportunity to focus on technological solutions so where before um you know we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort at client sites face to face and and so really some folks thought that that piece of consulting would would disappear and the only thing that disappeared out of that was the face to face people got used to using things like zoom and teams and and all of the other um, uh, meeting methods but while that was going on, we, we had had a big, hairy, audacious goal to put about a third of our materials online um, by the end of 2020. And that get, uh, big, hairy, audacious goal, that BHAG has been around since 2018 when we started putting those together and, and tracking them in our organization. 
So you definitely had operation. You had definitely had Operation Warp Speed going on at your place at the same time too. Yeah, we re- we really did, <laughs> and you know, I'm basically all hands on deck here in, in Charlotte to make sure that that was happening. But we also said, look, we we have a reputation. We've got technology to protect, and we're not going to try any race to the finish. We're going to produce things that that we know are effective. And so we had we had had a, a large car manufacturer that had kind of shifted the way we thought about how some of the workforce education for human and organizational performance could happen uh, because they had about 5,000 workers and they had six minutes every morning before they started their shift and they don't release to go to training. So to do the traditional training, uh, a workforce training that, that was usual in the past, they just didn't have the capacity to be able to do that. So we revised the way we did that training into a video series that was the workforce um, education in about 25 less than five minute sessions. And so we ran it with them and I mean, it worked really well. So when COVID hit, we said, well, holy cow, let's take this science of error reduction and make it affordable because it meets one of our goals that says big companies shouldn't be the only ones that can afford to do hop. The average business person that wants to reduce probability for error should be able to do it. So let's work to get that um, put online. And we created this, this place called Fit Online. And the first thing that we put on was the science of error reduction. And so now... The workforce training that was a day long is about an hour and a half of somebody doing something self-paced with tests built in that somebody can then go back and ref- and and refer to it later, and organizations can actually download it into their LMS system so that they own it. So, so essentially, so essentially, then it's not a learning management system. You're training people how to use your technology by going to fit online then. And it's not an LMS per se. Yeah, it's well, we use heights as, as our learning management system. So in that in that way, it is. But we can also take the native files and transfer them to a client so that they can actually have those files and we can white label those files for them. So that they can do, they can deploy any way they want to. We're kind of on the other end of the phone or email, saying, "Here's what works. Here's what doesn't." Uh, so we started bund- actually bundling courses. If you want to be an advocate, take these four. If you want to be an effective procedure writer, take these two. If you want to be a good supervisor, take these four. So they can uh, one or two people, or ten or twenty people from an organization can come just do it on our learning management system, or the organization can say, look, we want to purchase the rights and we can put it in our own and, and track it and do everything like that. But we also, so are, you, so are you seeing a lot of changes here then? Are you seeing a lot of smaller organizations now being able to reach out because it's not so much of, Hey, we have to be on a waiting list. We'll just use that as a hypothetical of having somebody to come out and teach us because now it's a little bit easier to access because of the changes with the pandemic. Massively. Um, and, and, and so if you think about it, a lot of times hop was pushed on a smaller part of the organization by the corporate of that big organization. Now, if a, 
plant of 50 people in a in an organization of 20,000 wants to improve their performance, they can do it uh, inexpensively, easily, easily budgeted, easy access. And that wasn't the way it was before. You had to have this big monstrosity of a machine and some of the big companies. But we've had multiple uh, organizations, small organizations call us and say, look, is there anything we can just do on our own that doesn't have to go through this big corporate loop? And, and we're not really usurping the corporate authority because corporate's saying, look, you know, we're in a situation where we can't really do anything. None of our human performance experts can travel either if you've got something that can help them. Because one of the things that I've been telling people, Jay, is the only, the only thing that has changed is how we deliver it. The need hasn't changed. The people that are out there um, at risk haven't changed. The tasks those people are doing haven't changed. But the way we get it to them has. And, and, and going through this learning process of being able to deliver the right amount of information in the right doses to the right people has, has been an awesome transition for us. So let me ask that real quick, because, because the risk has not changed, but some of the methods on how things are having to be developed, designed, and actually brought to them, how easy is it accessible to the people that are out in the field? Because, of course, the people that are working from home have different pain points that they have to actually work around. But the people that are out in the field, from what you're seeing, from your vantage point, are they still the same? Has much of their work changed besides the PPE side of the world? No. I mean, the last time I checked, when a tornado goes through town and you have to pull five utilities together to do storm uh, damage support and repair, none of that, none of that has changed. We're still, re- uh, electric utilities are still responding a- a- to challenges. Construction is still building like crazy. Um, you know, the service industry is really, the, in my opinion, has been the most affected by COVID. Because everybody else that, that works, you know, is that out in the field working job is still going balls to the wall. Now, they don't have as much oversight because the managers are, I hate this term, non-essential <laughs> and staying home. And, the, mm-hmm. and a bunch of the safety people are staying at home. That doesn't change the risk of those folks out. So you did use the term, so I'm going to have to bring it up. Non-essential. And I know you hated it, and you did mention it, though, but I want to kind of reference that for a moment. The non-essential worker, as referenced by some, opinion of question, of course, coming up next, but how do you see that working out for some organizations, being as you're involved with so many of them, when things start to, we'll say normalize, which they'll probably never will, but you know what I mean when I say that. Do you think that there will be more of a lean process in regards of cutting some of these people out? Yeah, I think one of the things that organizations are learning to set the terms essential and non-essential aside, I I think that that's just been one more dividing factor in our world and that using those terms is more divisive than inclusive. Um, 
So certainly in our organization, we haven't used terms anything like that. Uh, there are certain things about if, if nothing about what someone did has any essentiality to it, why did you have them in the first place? But um, there's still a need for support for people that are out there every day. Doesn't matter whether they're in healthcare or construction or shipping or mining or utilities or manufacturing. Um, I, I think it was a real disservice to the people in organizations to start drawing a line of essentiality in those organizations. Um, because, you know, that it, it was almost a line of prejudice. So if an organization right now approached you and said, hey, listen, we have essential and non-essential workers, what tidbit of your tech would you use to kind of address some of those concerns in regards to probably even kind of rewarding on how they have them set up? Well, you know, this is probably a good essential leadership cycle episode. <laughs> Because you can that's use, what I would you, use. You can, You're a great straight man. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, if you think about self and team awareness, shared vision and values and clear roles and processes, do, those done right in the essential leadership cycle, then create trust and diversity and inclusion and commitment, accountability and learning. Um, so by using those three attributes, especially self and team awareness and shared vision and values, then you can you, you can really stop using words that divide and start being a little bit more inclusive of the need for the people that are doing the work to produce the in income for the company. So, you know, before before COVID, there was a belief, and I think rightfully so, that the whole organization was was really what produced the the outcomes in a way that kept a company uh, doing well. And then somehow after COVID hit, we said, well, these people are essential to the operation of the company and these people are not essential. So are you telling your shareholders that 40% of your workforce that you've been paying out of shareholders' pockets was never needed? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying. Boy, does that open, open a can of worms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but that's not the truth, right? Right. It's, it's just what the term would lead someone to believe. I mean, if you were investing in an organization, would you want to invest in an organization that had all essential personnel? Or would you want one that says, well, we've got 60% uh, are essential, 40% are non-essential, but we're still paying with the money you're giving us. Of course, option one. Right, but it but it's not true. That's the whole that's the whole thing. So right. then it goes back to um, your words matter. This is the Jay Allen Show. We all want to make sure that our family is protected in medical emergencies. What many of us don't realize is that health insurance won't always cover the full amount of an emergency medical flight. Even with comprehensive coverage, you could get hit with high deductibles and co-pays. That's why an Air MedCare Network membership is so important. As a member... If an emergency arises, you won't see a bill for air medical transport when flown by an AMCN 
provider. Best of all, a membership covers your entire household for as little as $85 a year. AMCN providers are called upon to transport nearly 100,000 patients a year. This is coverage no family should go without. Now, as a Jay Allen Show listener, you'll get up to a $50 e-gift card with a new membership. Simply visit airmedcarenetwork.com slash safety and use the offer code safety. And don't forget to tell them that Jay Allen sent you. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. But you took this technology and you built it out. But there has been something that you've been doing for years. And you used a term when we first met that you called it technology. You never called it that this was a thought process, that it was the, the psychology of it. Why have you used this, this term of technology when it comes to the processes that you've developed? Well, because I think technology is a grouping of a bunch bunch of different types and methods, and that's what that's what we do. Um, and uh, specific types of technologies, electronic technologies, we always wanted to move into. You know, Illumitask pre-task briefings, uh, the free ready app. Um, we're now working on an on an app based. Um, simple cause analysis technique. So I always knew that um, the, the concepts and methods would wind up with, with uh, traditional technological uh, components to them. And it's the whole grouping of that that is called our technologies, the methods, the concepts. And, you know, as you, as you well know, Jay, we have some unique spins on um on on some of the concepts that people use out there that lead to the practical application side how do you teach someone how to do this to me that's technology so for the people that would be out there and say okay i've heard of hop and i am starting to hear of arrow what would you tell them the differences are well <clears throat> You know, it, it really goes back to hop is human performance with another letter in it. Um, none of the real concepts changed. But advanced error reduction in organizations or arrow is that human performance or hop with um, more leadership and adding personality diversity or understanding that Individuals with different personalities see and manage risk differently. Uh, I think conceptually, people have known that for hundreds and thousands of years. I think that it's been the last five that we've nailed it down enough to actually produce tools to help them understand how they can manage that risk based on their personality. So when you look at personality tendencies now, especially with this different world that we're in, in some places, so let's say, for instance, let's talk about for the moment for the worker that's at home, how big of a factor does this play from what the kind of work that they're doing from home when it comes to their personality tendencies? And let's say, for instance, they're interacting with somebody who's out in the field. Uh, well, it, it, it plays a huge role, um, especially, it, let's just draw the line, a, a very simple line of people, people and process people, okay? So if you if you draw the line down that left brain, right brain, people people normally get their information 
that they can then respond to by interacting face-to-face with people. I think the thing that I miss the most from COVID is true human interaction. I don't have to hug you, but I do like to I do like to see things that you can't really pick out on Zoom. I don't know. I think you I think you used to like to hug me. I th- I think I remember that. Well, okay. <laughs> I thought we were going the slow cut here. But I said I don't have to. I may like to. <laughs> um, but but those but the process folks that may be sitting at home trying to get information that they need, they like to see that equipment. They like to hear it. So again, that has put us in a position. And, and, and so I'm going to come a little bit full circle on you because you asked about accessibility to the field. Well, before, if they went into a classroom, they got a workbook, they got a pocket guide, they got excited, they went out into the field, they had their pocket guide with them. You know, they're, they're, there had to be some kind of uh, impetus on their part to go back to their workbook if they had a question. I foresee in the near future that all those things are going to be so connected that their pocket guides on their phone. And if they want more information, they hit one link and all the information that somebody told them in the workshop that they did online is now at their fingertips. They can have a discussion right in the middle of the job. And, and we're we're there. That capability is available. So um, I, I think that I, I think people that are trying to work from home and and socially distance and, and be true to the need of of not having uh, people in the field that are not producing an outcome because we're trying to socially distance and keep control of this virus. I think they're struggling. Um, and some personalities more than others, uh, but for different reasons. I have to tell you, you have a lot in that answer. And I, it, the funny part is there's very few conversations that I have with people that I feel that there's a lot to unpack on what you just said, or especially when I'm speaking to them. And some of those times when we, you and I sit down and have conversations like these, there's so many things that I know you have going on in your brain at the same time that <laughs> you mentioned something there that I'm very intrigued about. You said instant access. And I know this is kind of deviating a little bit from the from the original question, but you said instant access to training that they had just went through and that they would be able to do it in one touch. And yes, I know the technology is ever changing. And of course, we're talking now in December of 2020. Hopefully this is actually coming out at the beginning of January but of, of 2021. But for this particular portion, this is something and it would be an advancement compared to most tech or applications or anything that's out currently. So what are you seeing? Is this something that you're planning on putting into the marketplace? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we're planning on making it so that it's, that, that the organizations can do it as well. So, so let's say someone did uh, the science of air reduction. And as a part of that, they got a PDF pocket guide that they can take in the field with them. And that sits on their phone. Well, that PDF pocket guide is now constructed in a way that um, when you buy the ebook, that's what we'll be doing in the future. But let's just use it as a, a simple PDF right now. It has links embedded in that PDF that if you hit that link, that uh, the let's say you want to have a conversation about performance modes. 
you can hit the link for in the performance mode tab and it opens up everything that you learned, including a two or three minute video on performance modes. So rather than standing around the truck talking about what you think you might have remembered about performance modes from eight months ago, you could be standing around the truck saying, look, you know, I know we're supposed to talk about these performance modes, but let's just watch this quick video on performance modes. And everybody at the truck sits there and watches it because they're about to do a high risk task. And, and you can take any topic in human and organizational performance or arrow and do that with it. any topic. Oh, I love where you're going here with this. And I mean, it kind of opens a door to a lot of things. Now, I know that there are certain things that I know that I'm not sure if I'm supposed to share, but I'm going to reference it anyways. You can slap me real quick and I can also always do an edit if needed. Um, VR, I know it was something we spoke about months ago. Do you see this as something that could play well inside of, the, inside of that factor or augmented reality? I, I do. The challenge is that, you know, we were doing our VR with... Um, uh, San Jacinto College out of Houston, and they are not having in-person classes anymore. So they're creating VR, but VR is is pretty hard to create if you don't if you can't create the, in, the environment properly. So do I see that coming into play? I do. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn and say. AR and VR, I think, are something that tech geeks really like and want to be effective. But a lot of the risk comes from what's right in front of you as a, and some anomalies as opposed to what you put into a VR or AR program. Mm-hmm. So um, I uh, here we go, conflict alert. I almost see some of that as um, having some some in effect as as, as um, dynamic learning activities. Yep, you definitely said it. You said you said conflict alert. You definitely alerted everybody ahead of time. <laughs> you know, everybody loves dynamic learning activities, but management thinks they are the do-all and end-all. If you see this in a dynamic learning activity and you pass the DLA, you've learned it, and therefore uh, when you see something similar in the field, it should be okay. But that's not that's not right. You get out in the field, you may see something similar, but not process that back to the DLA. I'm not saying they're completely ineffective. I'm, I'm just not saying they're the do-all and end-all, and I kind of see... Uh, virtual reality and augmented reality the same way. So let me ask that then. So going into that component for a moment. So as you're seeing that there's more and more phones, mobile devices coming out with LiDAR that supposedly can really scan the room very well. We're starting to see other companies put this technology inside of vehicles for they can read what is going on. You still think that this will be a factor because on the way that people still process their thinking? Well, to me, that's not the same as virtual reality and augmented reality. I think well, we're going to uh, use that so that so that uh, Jay is sitting at the job site, um, scratching his head, and can then conference in a subject matter expert or two or three or nine, and maybe even conference in a subject matter expert at Schumacher, and and 
be right there showing them what they're seeing and the the power of having no cell phones for distractions has now been <laughs> over overcome by the need for people that are remote to see exactly what that individual is seeing. Okay. No, you, I, think I mean we're going to have glasses that people are going to have that that will have cameras on them or a cam small camera on a hard hat that somebody right. can turn that on and be right there with the with the subject matter expert in the moment. Well, I mean, as as we're talking right now, there's already some glasses being developed by by Apple that have the technology to see augmented reality. They allegedly do not have a camera currently, but they're all powered by people's phones. So I don't think that you're too far off of what you're saying. It's just going to become a very interesting sequence because at some point, you know that there's going to be a camera on them. Then it's going to become body cam style as we see police officers these days. Do you think that then at that point, they will still be calling in the subject matter experts potentially in real time? And I know that's a fortune teller question. I, I do, you know, at least in mine and possibly your lifetime. And the reason is because I don't think that we are knowledge capturing the way that we should be in organizations. And until that until and if that knowledge is captured somewhere outside of a subject matter expert, you're going to need that knowledge to be conveyed individually. Um, so there's all there, there's for, for a while, there's going to be a mix of that. Um, that yes, you may be able to capture an instant um, and then say, this is what the room looks like. But if the room looks different when somebody walks into it, then, uh, um, you're going to need that extra individual. Let me throw you another curve. Uh, I think that that if we're smart, and I don't mean we fit, I mean we industry, if we're smart, we'll start looking at electronic solutions to lock out, tag out verification. And all of these places that were smart enough to barcode or QR code their equipment uh, in the past now have the opportunity to do a to do a verification of the equipment through uh, electronic transactions as opposed to throwing another individual out there or asking the individual, did you close the right valve or open the right breaker? You would figure that at this point there would be technology available that's already capable of doing this, correct? I'm, I'm sure there's some out. Well, I mean, there, there is some out there. But nobody was buying it because they said, well, we don't need it. Two right. eyes are better than one. <laughs> well, and here's the funny part. And I know that I shouldn't say funny, but the COVID outbreak has advanced technology significantly as a subset of the whole thing. I mean, if you would have told me that we would have been this far advanced technologically as we are right now, I wouldn't have believed it. And I would say that we're probably five years further down than where we would have thought back at the beginning or at the end of 2019. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, I agree. Um, and it's given us two things. It's given us time and it's given us need. So in the past, we may have had the need or the desire to innovate, but we didn't have the time to innovate. We we're too busy trying to run the company. And I don't just mean mine. I mean, all companies, you know, we had slimmed down. We were trying to do more with less, 
and all these things. Well, the innovation piece was being done part-time. When COVID hit, the need expanded and the time expanded. So you now have people that are very creative and very innovative with the time to make those things happen. I mean, you, you know Justin personally. His uh, te technological capabilities have gone exponential since COVID. No, I mean, and he's, I mean, and he's been doing some different things. I, I know that he has started a new, a new show that he's actually also doing as well on your, on the fit online portion, which I thought it was a genius idea on how he was doing it. And some of the questions and answers between him and Ray has just been amazing to see how he's transformed and don't take it the wrong way. As I say this, he has really opened up compared to what he was, what he was doing before. Yeah. Well, so, so herein lies another thing that COVID has done is it's, it's let people come into their own on how good they are because you don't have a lot of times you don't have the backup that you had in the past. So, um, he was always extremely smart, both, both he and Ray, very good at this, but they didn't really have the need to be out in front of it. But our organization needs multiple people out, out in front of the information. And, and they've stepped up. Yeah. So what are you seeing now then? So what are your plans currently for 2021? What, do you, what are you working on next? What is the big thing that you're going to see? I mean, we've talked a lot about your tech. We talked about some great things that the Fit Group has actually come up with. What are you doing next? What is 2021 looking like for you? Well, we're going to continue to build out the, uh, the Fit Online platform as a place that people can go and network and do a lot of free stuff and also buy things that are needed. So we're going to continue to build that out and just get better. But what I see in the future is that someone will be able to go to a, um, a website or, or, or a place and they'll be able to, through some questions and algorithms, determine what their individual or organizational need really is and be automatically directed to those services, free or otherwise. And that will happen uh, for companies of all sizes. I don't care if you're a, a three-person company that owns one bucket truck that services uh, some construction company and, and, and that's all you do. Or maybe you're, maybe you're a 40-person company that services the oil field and all you do is empty sludge trucks or, or something doesn't, doesn't matter what that organization does. We're going to have, we'll, we'll have a list of, of questions and assessment that guides someone through to their, to their emergent immediate or, or future need. And then they're not going to have to hunt around for what they want. It'll be, it'll be right there in front of them. Rob, one last did you thing see before. That coming? No, I did not see that coming. That's for sure. I mean, if you would have told me this, I'll say a year ago, I would have been in shock. I would have probably dropped my jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so I got one more for you. If you were going to call it a day today and say, I've done everything that I can, what do you want your legacy to be? I think about this a lot. 
I don't care if my name is associated with my legacy as much as that people use what we've created and what we will create in the future to make their lives and, and organizations better. Um, my legacy is in the technology. And if almost anyone can use that technology, you know, I, I could walk away and know that some of those things are going to live on because I, we want to be what people derive from in the future because we were the people that derived it to make it practically applicable in the present. So um, I, I think that really maybe this is ego. We're already kind of starting to be seen and known as the practical application folks. You know, what do we really need to do? How does it need to be done to, to get it right the first time? Um, and I think that's all a part of the legacy. You know, do I want my, my family to continue to grow uh, the business, yeah, but it's not about the business. And oddly enough, for no for nobody here is it about the business. It's about the technology that makes people's lives better, where people go home safe, where people uh, at home, at work, and at play can use the exact same concepts and techniques, and and it becomes a, about the way they do it. You know, I think that you you may have already heard that I'm I'm now going to sit on a committee at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And it's a lifelong dream to be able to sit on a role where we can impact the people coming into safety in a way that teaches them that teaches them where we're going, not where we've been. I'm going to tell you this. Number one, congratulations. I think you're really on your way with what you have going on. Number two, I did not know about the position that you had actually received at the college. Now, I'm going to tell you, the episode that I have coming out the week before yours, people are going to believe that this is a setup because I was having a conversation about that, about how there needs to be better equipped safety people on a board to be able to give a better understanding of the people that are coming in. So most people are going to think that this is a whole setup that I had this planned out and it just, um, it just really worked out in that fashion. Yeah, I guarantee you it wasn't a setup. <laughs> I was approached by them a few weeks ago uh, to sit on the the safety sciences um, uh, board and uh, you know, it's quite an honor, but I think, you know, oddly enough, that was in our BHAGs get into a position of influence in the university or school environment. I, I would love one more element of legacy. I would love to impact STEM. Um, and, and I believe that from a personality tendency perspective, we have missed so many talented people in STEM, possibly because of the way they bucket the gazenta, if that makes any sense. Uh, the way they the way they parse people out, how you get into STEM, uh, and and how and the work that people do in STEM. Imagine the creativity we may have missed because certain personalities tend to gravitate towards the way STEM programs are designed. 
and certain personalities tend to not go that way because they don't want that particular structure. No, oh, I think that there's all kinds of missed opportunities for sure there. Now, before I forget, because I want to reference this because you said something there, but I wanted to reference this as well. You've been trying to get into education, even at the high school and junior high level for a period of time. So how is Arrow in Education going? Well, that's a sad part of COVID. Um, E-Colors in Education uh, was a victim of COVID. Okay. So uh, Dr. Rosalinda has now formed another company. Uh, E-Colors in Education is now a subset of the equilibrium sport and equilibrium in healthcare, they're all kind of uh, together. Uh, but as we start to kind of come out of some of the current challenges of COVID, uh, FIT is now the um, licensed deliverer of equilibrium's e-color stuff in the U.S. And that's a oh, very congratulations an- announcement. So we anticipate that is that as the schools now start to um, figure out how they're going to be run, that we will then start to put uh, some of the arrow concepts in. The plan was in 2020 that the students that had gone through e-colors and education in the lower grades would start getting arrow educated in the upper grades. But we just, due to COVID, we weren't able to pull that off. And now now we're going to have to go back and and re- uh, uh, rethink how we do that, but um, we we want to uh, pull that in, and Justin's done a lot of work on that. In fact, he was working with a couple of local schools when COVID hit, so um, still still there, just on the back burner because you know certainly we can't. It's it's very similar to healthcare, and I'm going to take a 180 on you, but in the healthcare business, we haven't been able to do anything with Arrow because they're so damn busy doing their jobs related to COVID that we've got no time. It's not the right time to introduce an, an, an important improvement opportunity when they're barely staying above water personally, financially, uh, mentally, all these other ways. So again, as the, as we start to, to um, understand how this is all going to play, we're, we, we have a healthcare system or a healthcare opportunities ready to go uh, when the healthcare system can absorb. I will definitely love to see how that moves forward because it was something that was very intriguing to me as you were starting that off before. Yeah. Well, Rob, I appreciate you coming on to the show. If people want to know more about you and what you have going on, where can they go out to find out some more information? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn at Rob Fisher. Um, and you can look up our company at improvewithfit.com, or you can just go straight to the chase and, and go to online.improvewithfit.com. And just uh, you can sign up for free, no credit card required, poke around. We've got about 200 pieces of content loaded on there already, and we're loading new things on every day. Well, Rob, like I've always said, you are more than welcome to come on at any point. I always love our conversations. I do too, Jay. I really appreciate you having us. And that's good news because I haven't wanted to bother you, but I know I know uh, we do have a lot going on. I appreciate you, you getting in touch with me. Well, this is going to bring this episode of The Jay Allen Show to a close. 
I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rob Fisher as much as I did. To find out more about Rob Fisher, go to improvewithfit.com. Thank you for always being the best part of Safety FM, and that is the listener. Without you, we could not do what we do here on Safety FM. Safety FM is the home of real safety talk. And a special thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Air Med Care. For more information about Air Med Care, go to airmedcarenetwork.com slash safety. I will see you on the next episode of The Jay Allen Show. Goodbye for now.